Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy, my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff. Text me 949-415-6256. Please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's been selling really well, getting very well received by the community. Thank you guys so much for that. Also check out the YouTube member page. Join this channel to get perks. That's my YouTube uh, membership. It's 10 bucks a month. You get a monthly mastermind exclusively. It's a Zoom call every month with other YouTube members. Uh, You also get weekly videos exclusive to the YouTube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences. So check that out. Really means a lot to me. And thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show. Ready? Live, 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 live. I want to know, guys, how's it going? So let's put, let's put a banner. Let's put, ask us anything. How about get pumped? Get pumped is good. Um, hard work pays off. Ask us anything. Clinical research is booming. Let's go ask us anything. All right. It's myself. We got Ivan, the world famous Ivan Lamoureux. He's. We've been talking to him. He's been featured on Latinos in Clinical Research. He's been featured on my podcast. He's got his own LinkedIn profile. He's working on a patient recruitment agency, his own. It's a startup in the research space, but he comes from, he has extensive background and knowledge on marketing from other industries. And he's been in the research space. How long has it been now that you've been like seriously involved in research or at uh, least like attempting to? Uh, three and a half years now. So it's not a good amount. Good enough. So for us, it's like we, we, we're we hardly getting our beaks wet anymore. But the thing is, what we're trying to do is build a stronger foundation foundation, and produce like even greater results, like really understand the industry. Yeah. We've got exposure so far to Australia, Canada, and the U.S. markets. I mean, that's pretty good right there. Guys, I want to know right now where you're watching from and what you are drinking. It's a bonus day. We only go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but sometimes we're like, you know what? Why not? If I can get someone like Ivan on and it's a Thursday, let's do a Thursday, guys. You get a bonus session today with Ivan. So we're going to talk. Where this is a continuation of our part one, patient recruitment challenges, opportunities. A lot of interesting dynamics happening right now. One of the biggest issues with patient recruitment agencies has always been well, let's back it up. Okay, let's back it up one step back. Everybody knows the best way to get patients is through the doctors, 
private practice or a colleague of his or hers referral gps yeah gp why because and what up andrea new orleans coffee coffee is so good coffee is should be given more credit for breakthroughs in research it's People never. It's the unspoken. Well, I toaster. I toaster with my double cappuccino here. I need one. I'm trying to like reduce my coffee. I had one this morning with maca. I sprinkle a little maca in there. I'm ready for war for the day. Um, so patients trust their doctors. They trust their GPs. Go figure. South Carolina water, and we got Detroit, Michigan water. A lot of healthy people out here today. <laughs> okay, patients trust their clinicians, their providers. It's no secret. So that's fine. But agencies like Ivan, people like Ivan come in when that's exhausted. And now the sponsor, Sierra, says, Ivan, we've got X amount of sites across this country, this region. We need your help. So now there's a lot of agents. This is not new. Agencies exist to fulfill this service. The problem is now the patients are strangers. And, and the site is stranger to the patient. It's not like before where they know the doctor. They're like, hey, okay, the doctor recommended. I trust. I've seen this doctor for 10 years. Yeah, and they're, and they're self-assessing, right? And people doing that kind of research up front are typically, you know, you, you've got to, there's going to be a higher rate of people that won't be um, the right patient. Uh, when they arrive at the clinic door and you're doing that final assessment, that's that's a guarantee. But, you know, when a GP or a specialist or um, an organization does a referral, typically they've been pre-screened. No screening really has to happen at the site level. So that's that's really the hurdle. That's the hurdle. And there's it's an interesting market we're in. We were talking a little bit off camera. I want to get into it because people are not talking about this in research. But before that, coffee in Indianapolis. Sofia Bulgaria water. I bet you in Bulgaria it's sparkling water. I bet you <laughs> anything. My wife, true story. All right. I'm from Romania. I'm born in Romania. So we went back to visit my grandfather at the time who's since passed away. Rest in peace. But we, we drove back to the airport from Belgrade through Romania back to Budapest to fly back. Every rest area we go to gas station. We, my wife hates mineral water, just like David LaHaye. He's drinking sparkling water with a little bit of lemon. That's very fancy, David. Your site's doing well, I assume. Um, you can't find regular water. They call it baby water. They call <laughs> regular water baby water. So my wife at all these gas stations asking for water, they give her sparkling water, a bunch of brands. She's like, no, no, I the regular water. And they're like, I don't understand what regular water. Oh, baby water. And they literally bring her a gallon with a baby on it. And say, Here, <laughs> here's your water. <laughs> True story, man. Europe, you can't find regular water. It's baby water. Uh, <laughs> okay. 2022 job market, labor shortage. And in clinical research, you see all these patients self-assess themselves the ones that don't come from doctor referrals that come from online ads these are patients self-assessing they're like look i need to find alternatives nobody's telling me to do this i'm finding an ad somehow and i'm calling the clinic or i'm a lead 
right? right. Or they're doing their own research online through, you know, Google searching or, or whatever through some search engine, right? Right, right. So now these patients, they fill a contact form, most likely an email mm -hmm. that becomes a lead for the site or it becomes a lead for you, the agency who then gives it to the site. Correct. Right. I mean, often, as we talked offline, there's a huge delay. Huge delay. There's always been a delay. And what, why, why? Typically what happens is at the clinic level, they're waiting to gather, say, I don't know, five or six of these candidates in order to make a phone call. And we're noticing that it's at least a four day delay before they even contact someone. Now, people's online expectations, especially in the sphere of re retail, is that they get an immediate response or someone will contact them, you know, within half an hour to an hour. Well, we're talking four days, like, I mean, let's, let's face it, the environment they're searching you out at, in is the internet. And much like these live stream captions, people have certain expectations built off what they've seen elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Yep. Fel fellow Romanian sparkling water with lemon. They're laughing at the story of my wife. It's true. True story, guys. I should have vlogged it. Uh, okay. So now this has always been the problem. I've talked to BBK. I've talked to Acurian the 800 pound gorillas in this industry for recruitment, they all had the same issue. They're like, look, we sending leads to sites, the sites coordinators overworked. They're not getting back to the patients in time. So by the time somebody does get back, if they get back to them, the patient even forgot that they filled out this form. Yeah. Sometimes they just do it impulsively. And then they like go and do other things. Two weeks go by. They're like, I filled out a form. <laughs> What, what are you talking about? It's kind of like when you, uh, you know how people are like always surprised that ads follow them on Instagram. Like, sure. let's say I search for a camera. Remarketing. Remarketing. It's called remarketing. Every marketer knows this. So I let's say I search for a camera today and then I'm over it. And then for like a week, this camera follows me on Instagram, all the ads, YouTube. Well, if they're good marketers, they're not just following you with that camera. They're the competitors who's following you. Yes. Right, helpful. right. But me <laughs> me being the patient in this example, I forget that I searched for this camera because right. I'm also searching for a million other things in this period. And so when I see those ads, I'm like, how is this? They're spying on me. I don't remember doing that. How do they know I want this? I forgot that I actively searched. And this is the same thing with these patients, too. They forget that they filled out these forms. Well, and yeah, and, and what's interesting is like, well, it depends on what point of the process, right? If they're just doing an initial search, what you're describing is great because that's the way you stay top of mind and then they'll come back to it. Oftentimes people don't finish filling out the forms because they don't understand how extensive it is, ah. depending on who's asking the questions. We try to abandon cart. Abandoned exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bounce rates is the language we use in the industry to describe mm -hmm. that. But um what we found is that we try to keep the questioning short and ask much broader questions. And then, yeah, that follow up with um, a representative becomes ultra, ultra important. But I think what you're alluding to is the fact that most often the person making that phone call is a delegated individual who, um, how can I put it, uh, is overworked, overtaxed and doesn't have the time to actually make that call and that's yes. what wheels fall off the cart and, and this in, is in today's in, in in today's market um it's hard to even find individuals to play that role 
Thank you. So this is why the title is in a 2022 world, because we're living a little bit in the future here, guys. It's November. The year's over. If you didn't accomplish your goals this year, there's always next year. You're not going to do it in these next few months, but you can lay the foundation for them in the next few months. But here's the thing. This has always been an issue with sites not following up quickly. A lot of that is the fault of the agencies also. When, when a site keeps getting crappy leads, they're just going to say, you know what, I'm over it. I, might, I have more ROI answering queries from a CRA than following up on people who are going to hang up on me, cuss me out, or say they're not interested. So can't blame the site too much. But in a 2022 world, you have a compounded problem now. It's a labor shortage. Because it's usually at the site level. It's not the PI calling these people. It's not going to be the senior CRC. It's not going to be the site director. Most sites don't have a marketing department. It's going to be an entry-level person, like an MA. When you're not drawing blood, here's a list of 20 leads we have. Call them up. Well, now you can't get those MAs to work. My PI, who I work with here in Yuma, it, uh, wages are under the national average here, but they're, they're starting the MAs out at 13 an hour. Right. He said he can't find MAs willing to work. There's only a few MAs willing to work, and it's the ones – because you're making more money staying at home now yeah. at that price point. So now you have nobody even to call these leads. It's even harder now. Welcome to the world of patient recruitment, Ivan, in the 2022 world. You, you <laughs> stepped in at the right time. <laughs> well, I, I think that we're, we're becoming more familiar with online and there's more access to online services. It's, it's a question of meshing that with different technologies to reach out to these clients in a, and I mean, we're pursuing a lot of those technologies currently on behalf of our clients so that, you know, we get a text out to them, for instance, or a response by email uh, quite quickly. And we, and they engage with an actual person, right? Mm. Um, it's better than having them queue where there is no queue. Like a lot of times um, the way things are set up, uh, especially if individual sites are, are, are managing this themselves, um, there is a delay. They get they get an email, and that it just stays in their inbox till they're ready to address it, or it's talked about within meetings. Uh, you know, a couple official meetings, and oh, finally they're going to make that phone call. Um, and it's yeah, I mean, it gives digital recruitment a bad name, but you know, we're willing to work through the program, the, the process, because we see that in today's modern era, there are different, better ways of doing things. Yeah, and you're not you're not alone in the uh, in the assessment that the line between vendor and site is going to get even more blurry. Well, so that's happening. And our ultimate goal is currently in research. Once you have, once you've admitted the patient and they're, they're registered and they, they, they go through the process of the research trial, everything, there's lots of systems, right. That document that. And we can talk about the various systems that do that. But what, I, what we want to do is create our own system that plugs into those. So from the time we send out uh, an advertisement to the time someone experiences, we have a full history. Now, there's, um, how can I, ethical reasons and how, how we manage that. But as long as we're HIPAA compliant, you know, and the right people are seeing the information at the right time, we see that as a huge advantage. Yes. So the, the line is getting blurred. There's a company that I interviewed. I interviewed their CEO in Orange County. Um, I forget the name, but it's an AI company. I think it's called Deep Lens. 
they okay. they're a good company. They're, shout out to them. They do they specialize in oncology recruitment. So they use AI to mine the database of these huge academic medical centers with like tens of thousands of patients, which no coordinator is going to have time to do, right? So That's right. that makes sense. They use their AI. They they find the patients that are appropriate. They took it a step further. They asked me, hey, do you know anyone who wants to work for us as a coordinator, site coordinator? And I said, what, do you, what is the AI doing hiring a coordinator? And they said, well, it's a recruitment coordinator. They're actually going to go into the site. They're going to be trained on how to approach these leads, and they're going to do it, but they're going to be our employee. Right. So the line's getting blurred between what's a vendor and what's a site. Yeah. It's happening. I think that's the right way to do it. It's more expensive for the vendor, but ultimately <laughs> the sponsor going to pay for it. I don't know if it works. But it's it's heightened collaboration, right? Because what we're seeing is we're seeing the mergers of the two teams and them taking on diff they taking on different roles given what the problem is they're trying to solve. And we can't really treat research equally in the sense that different um, indications require different types of approaches. Like we've talked about it before where, you know, if, if it's um, an isolated cancer, well, that's a different kind of research trial than say eczema, right? Which yes, is one of the most, yes. most popular uh, trials uh, globally. For self-assessing, right? Yeah, especially, right? Yeah, exactly. Someone like cancer, the, this sense of like, you wouldn't even go down the route of some sort of social media campaign. It would be... Unless it's a rare them. disease. If it's a rare disease, they go deep into the yeah. clinical trial, you know, the e-patients. But yeah, what you're saying is absolutely right. Um, so last time we had all this, we had a great conversation. There was a lot of distractions. I had a vendor coming in here to put the internet. For a while, I went dark and just let you roll with it. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Ivan. You were a great co-host that day. But today's way more stable. Way, yeah. you know, everything's fine. Yeah, um, that last call, you had your Andy Warhol moment where you went blue and pink. It was. Beautiful. I went blue and pink. My camera, <laughs> I just ordered a new iMac because my MacBook Air can't support my brand new webcam I got. It's too good. It's a 4K webcam. My Mac Air can't, it like crashes every time I use it. It's too good, too good of a camera. So I'm here with the regular basic FaceTime camera until I get my iMac. Chip shortage, guys. Yeah. There is a chip, not just labor shortage, chip shortage. Shortage for everything. The only thing there's not a shortage of is studies. That's, <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch. I've never seen, this is either we're in a bubble or this is the beginning of a new boom decade in research. I've never seen the best times ever in research. I, I'm with 100% confidence. This is the best times I've ever seen in research. In 16 years, I've been doing this. Well, I find it interesting that it might, if it is a bubble, it, it wasn't caused by COVID because of a backup, because we focused strictly on that because it was such a, well, it was a global pandemic, right? Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. And the mRNA technology. Just the mRNA technology platform for new vaccines, very important. I know there's a lot of critics, maybe rightfully so. We need to study more. So what are we going to do? We're going to study more. That platform alone, that paradigm shift alone is going to keep the industry busy. Forget about everything else. And there's innovations going on everywhere. I think it's the beginning of a boom decade in research. It's going to be interesting to see how we're going to get entry-level people when the stimulus and all this stuff is it's driving up salaries right like yeah 
Well, here in Ontario, interestingly enough, they were throwing around this idea of an additional $5 added to the minimum wage. Now, that's being discussed right now politically. I don't know where it landed. I believe like this, they've been talking about that for the last week. And the plan had been prior to COVID to have this kind of stimulus program uh, for certain individuals within the uh, community. But what ended up happening was COVID hit. And of course, at that time, it was like, no, no, we can't do it. We can't, like, we got to shelf that, right? But now because we have a, a reelected uh, group of people in power, they're, they're reintroducing the idea. But once again, it's like being highly criticized because now business is just getting back. It's standing up again, right? Yeah. Especially the small guys, like the more independent sites and stuff are probably feeling it more than the um, CROs, for instance. Well, prices of everything just going to go up. I mean, that's what small businesses are doing preemptively. They're just raising prices and inflation's kind of a, I mean, this is not an economics podcast, but it, you get a mini lesson here, I guess, from, I'm not, a, I'm no professional on this, but oh, from, what I, from what I see, inflation is a cell in a way it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because if everyone's worried about inflation, but it's actually not here, but everyone's worried about it, then it, you're making it here because everyone's preemptively raising prices. Yeah. So that's, and I'm not going to go further into that. That's for other podcasts. There's plenty of good ones out there. Uh, okay. So continuing our conversation from last time, what do you find are your typical patient recruitment KPIs? These are key performance indicators, performance metrics. Let's go back to basics, right? What do you look for? So I like, I'd love to ask the audience and hear what they have to say. Like, often, let's go guys, instead of putting your drinks, we're interested in that too. Let's go keep that going, but let us know. What do you guys, I know where's David at side owner, very successful side owner, uh, David, they work with vendor all the time too. What do you look for, David? Let us know. But from what your experience is, Ivan, until the questions, comments start coming through, well, what, what have you seen? Patient registration. Um, time of first screening from site activation, you know, time of first randomization from site activation tend to be the most popular responses to this. And we're trying to dig deeper than that, though. Are we are we missing something? Or like what else? What other cues are being rewarded in terms of uh, people's interest in getting these things going? Hmm. Yeah, and. From my experience, okay, do like I said, doing this, we've worked with vendors. I've the first time I've ever worked with a vendor or a recruitment vendor as a site was like three years in to me running my site. Mm -hmm. So it was 2009, must have been 08 or 09. Uh, sponsor said, Hey, we're using a vendor to recruit. And I was like, okay, how much do we have to pay them? You know, I had no idea. I was like, all right, what are they going to charge? And they're like, no, no, we have already paid for it. And I was like, wait, what? What kind of business am I in? I'm a business owner. Here's somebody else paying for my leads. I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> but, okay, so I just start going through the list, right? Awesome. I'm going to like double my, triple my enrollment right now. And I don't have to do anything. Just call these numbers. First one. What are you talking about? Hang up. Second yep. one. You just triggered my PTSD. I'm a Vietnam vet. 
because it was a schizophrenia study. Boom. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is not as easy as I thought it would be. By the time I get through the list, I finish the list. I may have gotten like one or two people show up. I don't think either of them qualified from what I remember. And by the time I got that second list, I was like, I'm not going to call this list anymore. Well, all of a sudden you're in sales, right? Like that's, <laughs> you know, and, and quite frankly, uh, there's a lot of marketing companies out there that do generate lists, right? But, you know, you hit on it. These are people, right? And you're, you're usually talking to them about some of the most private matters that, you know, they don't necessarily want to talk to at that moment or to anyone at all outside of maybe close family and friends and who you hear you are soliciting, right? Well, you, regardless of having a, you know, potential solution for them or getting them, getting them involved in a process that may help them. Um, you know, not, and you don't know when you're, well, depending on when you call them too, if you're calling them at their dinner time, cause they happen to be, you know, a few yeah. states away, you know, there's, there's all these hurdles. Or you're calling them at their dinner time because that's the time you're done with your work, you know, and you're staying later to call. And that's in, in, I mean, that's what digital recruitment does for you outside of getting the GP referrals and so forth. Like it's there when people are looking for the information or it's there when they're um, talking within an environment, like within, you know, uh, Facebook, for instance, uh, which has just been renamed. But anyways, Meta. Meta. Yeah. the, the That's a whole other thing. Uh, but yeah, people, on that. well, when people are corresponding around what it is, their ailments and stuff, and they see your ads and stuff. And I mean, that's that's where you're going to be most successful. But you still have to engage human to human at some point and how you do that becomes critically important. Yeah, um, this is nothing new for sponsors. They've been trying to tackle this since probably before I got in the industry, but I've noticed it from the beginning, you know, working with these vendors uh, now with the emergence of Facebook or meta, meta ads, but also like grassroots. So I remember as early as 2008, Ikevia, which was quintiles back then, they would send reps to our offices and these reps, I forgot the name. There's something like a liaison and they would go out in the community, talk to other doctors on your behalf about referrals. And that didn't work very well either. You know, so then a few years later, those same positions morphed into, we're going to help you mine your own database better. And, we're going to give you some strategies, but not do it for you, but we'll help you reach out to your community. Mm-hmm. So they're, they've been playing around with this forever and nothing's worked. Nothing's mm-hmm. working. And now Facebook ads, it's probably a little more efficient at getting leads. I don't know. Is it like making a difference into the bottom line of randomizations? I mean... We, I'm well, not sure. we, obviously, we, find, we we think we we are making an impact in terms of how we're going about things. Uh, typically, um, well, our last last we looked at our numbers, uh, we were getting about ten patients a site, um, and for a very minimal spend when you compare it to other forms of advertising and other methods. Like, remember, like uh, I'm using like a lot when. Um, when you're hiring someone to do like some kissing babies, shaking hands, when they physically have to go to a location and do that recruitment, you're that's that's a significant investment in time, travel, and so forth. Um, for minimal a uh, minimal expense, relatively speaking, uh, you can I would argue you can be as effective, if not more effective, 
again, when we get into these research trials that are very specific, then the effectiveness wears off or it's not as effective, obviously. But, you know, we're, we're finding ourselves helping a lot of CROs and independent sites in this manner. Like for us, one of the things we want to ask about is other things that you consider to be a measure of success. Like how, like outside of just getting the right patient that meets all the, let's say, physical criteria, is there a certain patient type you'd rather, you'd rather work with over another? Or are there types of certain patient types? Uh, we never get into those questions. And in a traditional marketing sense, we, you do uh, when you get into different products or services. You know, <clears throat> that's a tough one to answer because so just from a very macro level, and then I'm going to ask how you guys are doing so well on the studies you do have, because uh, that's pretty good, adding 10 patients uh, on average. Uh, we'll get into that, but I've noticed, and I've done a bunch of different types of studies, the more, there's different challenges, the more debilitating the disease the more time the patient has for research. So right. you don't have retention issues. You don't have as many scheduling conflicts. The less uh, debilitating the condition, the more you have those scheduling conflicts, like eczema, for example, or acne, something that is a condition, but it's not stopping the patient's life in its tracks, right? right? And then schizophrenia is one of the other ones. This is the ones I've been doing most of my career. It's like pretty debilitating. People can't work when mm -hmm. they have schizophrenia. They can't maintain the jobs. So you don't have issues scheduling. Basically, if I tell them, hey, I have opening tomorrow at 10, they're there. Somebody with ac acne or psoriasis, tomorrow at 10, I can't. I have work or whatever right. the case may be. So the challenges are different. I don't think there's any ideal type of patient that a site would rather work with i think you got to figure out how yeah but it sounds to me like at very least you're recognizing that there are different groups of people that would be interested in like acne studies absolutely like high school university you know and then yeah there are people with the same condition later in life but you know there, there, there's gonna be a majority somewhere like a significant population brent ellis a youtube member youtube supporter thank you so much brent from Clint Essentials. He says, regarding recruitment, lead generation companies that will be the most successful will be the companies that not just provide leads, but will provide patients that are ready to enter the study. And and this can be done, exclamation mark. Well, I mean, we, we effectively <laughs> try to do that. Like, <laughs> I mean, the sites we work with pretty directly. How do you do it so well, like from the study you have? Um, well, we take the time to uh, do the research on what the indication is, and we go. We try to go beyond what the um, site or the CRO provides us in terms of the information. Uh, also, uh, depending on the type of indication, we've got accrued data that we can go to, and we know certain populations within certain uh, spaces within the U.S., Canada, and Australia. So, without we're, giving we're your looking, secret sauce. Yeah. Without giving your secret sauce, like what's an example? Like how deep do you go on studying the patient? Without giving away the secret sauce. If you can. Um, well, we try to go beyond online research and we go to white papers and we also go to um, various articles that certain specialists have written. So we try to stay on top of 
where the technology is and where uh, the research is. Um, obviously, wow. when we're representing... That's a, a different approach. I don't see that in other vendors, really. Right. They just stop at whatever the sponsor provides, right? I see. Right. But there's sometimes like when you're trying when you're talking about a particular condition, whatever that condition is, there's different perspectives on that. Doctors write thesis like they have they surmise something and they don't always come to the same thesis statement that then drives the research. Right. So or, you know, the sponsor may be coming to a particular ind indication uh, from another direction. And then that's that's a whole new sphere of thought. And what we're trying to do is like breed that into the advertising we're producing to basically elicit the response from the right candidate. You're you're here to change the game in that case. So you Well, when you're someone from the outside and this you you've provided Dan um, and we have a great relationship, uh, us the opportunity to really start peeling back the onion uh, and understand that from our perspective. We, we bring all that outside knowledge in and we just work now, right now, what we're trying to do is really niche down into this arena, right? Uh, For those that don't know, I guess the good way to wrap up the live stream, unless people have more questions, put them in the comments. You come from outside, you say. So yeah. what, what, what have you seen done? Like you said, you worked with some beer brands in the past. What else did you do? Like which ones? Uh, well, uh, Labatt's might be one you would recognize. Moosehead, like being Canadian, uh, yeah, <laughs> we we did a lot of the beer brands that we have out here. Um, we've done work in retail. Uh, we've done work in B two B kind of companies uh, where fracking was, for instance, jewelers. We've done work there. Um, so it's been a broad range and. In order to get, and, and there's there's a lot of, for instance, in the retail environment, how do you distinguish one re retailer from the next when effectively all they're doing is redistributing someone else's product? So, right. how, like, how do you influence that? And you don't have necessarily targets, budget, or reputation, right? And yet they're they're the competitor, so you have to look for opportunities where other people aren't looking, and that's that's really what it boils down to. So that's. So what do you see that from, let's say, retail? Mm -hmm. What do marketers there do well that we're not doing well in research? Well, they're recording what you just described as different personality types that go to different studies for different indications, like the eczema versus, let's say, a cancer patient, right? Um, they're, 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 they take the time to record what those individuals' needs are so that they can empathize with them, right? No one's trying to trick anybody. In research trial advertising you have to be pretty transparent and there's a lot of regulations around what you can do what you can say how you can say it but you still have to position an empathetic or an aspirational or inspirational story right um and because it's part of, it, it's part of that whole i don't want to call it I'm trying to find the words here what we're trying to do is relate to people because they as people and then help them through what it is they're going through. Yeah. So you, you're saying in other industries, they do better, far better job than Absolutely. the standard in research. Absolutely. Because all we get is demographic information. We get uh, aid <laughs> groups like that. You know, who cares? What we yeah. care about is how people think and how they feel about things. That's where marketing is today.
right? Mm -hmm. And in order to connect with people, you have to speak their language. And in order to do that, you got to listen. And as a company, that's, that's in effect what we're trying to do. And as yeah, sites, sites and CROs don't have time to listen. They barely have time to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bedside manner effectively in our, our attitude is the bedside manner starts with the ads, right? Because that's where you're making the promise, right? Yeah. And we don't want to really call it a promise because there's, we can't really call it a promise, but you're, you're, you're alluding to the fact that there's something out there that may be a benefit to them. So here's um, Darian White. Maybe this is going to be helpful for you, for me, for the audience. At our site in New York, we find it much easier to recruit patients and get them in for a screening visit when the sponsor provides us with a scheduled Lyft slash Uber pickup and food gas reimbursement for subjects coming in for screening visits and other smaller unscheduled visits. This makes recruitment much easier on us and our patients. No, that's a great idea. I, I mean, agree. Same with retention. I mean, here in Yuma, we're doing this is going to be how we recruit patients you know, or how we bring them in, most of them. Um, having a driver, but that's, that's when the patients already wants to come in, right? Like, or is already okay with the idea of research. You know, you can't send a lift to someone's house who hasn't decided that they're going to come or not. I've done this. I've done this, but you can't, you know, it's a waste of money. It's 50, 50, you know, the driver shows up and patient doesn't want to come. Yeah, with decentralized trials, we're going to see more and more of these, you know, more direct relationships being built and new types of relationships. Like, you know, listen, there are so many distribution networks like Uber Eats. Mm -hmm. And like, we're going to see, and I mean, there's going to be self-driving cars at some point, right? So at some yeah. point, there's going to be a leveling uh, element that's going to make uh, research trials and collecting uh, patients that much easier. Uh, more automated, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see all every industry, but research is all, always lags. Research always lags by at least a decade um, as far as best practices for most things, right? And, I mean, we're specializing in research, but we're also doing a fair amount of business, and I'll call it more traditional spheres. And, I mean, that's where our clients benefit as well because – while we're playing in those in those spheres, we we sometimes say, well, we can lend this to this process, and we believe. Um, I think that's going to be huge for you guys. Yeah, honestly. Like, well, it has been. It's it's shown some merit. So, but you got to be willing to do the work and not just approach clients with a pre-described uh, formula, right? Like it's like we're 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 more boutique. We're not just selling T-shirts off the rack. And I find that a lot of people who are in the digital marketing sphere, um, they're really coming to you with a retail solution, not a research trial solution in terms of how they're addressing your marketing. Uh, they, they really haven't looked at how campaigns for research trials should work. They're just revisiting what they've done for other clients because they're efficient at doing that. Man, so much left to be done. It's going to be interesting to continue to interact with you, to continue doing these live streams and see how you're progressing and sharing new insights as you get them with Guru Nation. And anything else you want to say as we wrap up? I know it's top of the hour for you. you got to go. Yeah. No, uh, I don't have anything to add. All right, guys. That's Ivan. Lamoureux, you're going to see his LinkedIn profile underneath this video. 
as soon as you rewatch it. If you're listening, this is a nice podcast too. If you're listening, make sure you follow Ivan. His link to LinkedIn is in the show notes. And as always, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share. If you don't know what to comment, put a robot emoji. It helps to shatter the algorithm. And we're, and we're, and we're open to collaboration if you hear anything that piques your curiosity. There you go. So reach out to Ivan. Everybody needs to do that. And thank you very much, Ivan. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. And we'll catch you all later. Bye-bye.